Welcome back to the Darting Through the Faith podcast. You just took a drink, didn't I you? Did. I'm sorry, I was not on purpose. Really? That time. It wasn't. Wow. It wasn't. It's yeah. okay. All is well. Okay. You're still Father Sean Wilson. Last I checked, yeah. and you're still Julia Mon. That's right. That's right. Okay, I almost yeah. forgot. Yeah. yeah. And it Names is escaped me. It's another week in the old studio. <laughs> it is. And in life in general, it not is. just in here. Yeah. Yeah. Life goes on. What's going on with you? Oh, what is going on? Well, it's the last week of July, um, which is just crazy. crazy. Um, but it's good, you know. Uh, my parents came in recently, so mm-hmm. I get to see my parents. Yeah, things are things are going well. It's mm-hmm. just kind of it's it's honestly it's like summer summer pre a typical pre summer life, right? Yeah. A little bit of vacation here and there, mm-hmm. a little bit of big projects that mm-hmm. you didn't know were coming and you kind of got to take care of some stuff and mm-hmm. then some things that you knew were coming and you got to take care of that. <laughs> and then there are just like side things that happen throughout the day. Like yesterday sure. was the annual priest golf outing, the Melchizedek nice. Open. So played a, a little four-man scramble with a couple other priests and had a jolly good time yeah. doing it. Yeah, good. Yeah. I already asked you so that I know the answer, but the good people I'm sure are wondering, did you win? We did not win. <laughs> we did not win. We were uh, We got fifth out of 13th. I think that's good. I w- we were happy with it. You know, if we would have sunk some birdie putts, Ooh. it would have, uh, if we could hit like a 15, 17, 18 footer, uh, we really would have, could have gone a little bit lower. We hit a couple of them, but we left, I don't know, sure, nine of them out there maybe. Sure. So did you guys have like a system in terms of like the one man, two man, three man, four man? Like, did you tee off and hit in the same order every we time? We putted and put? in the same yeah. order. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, towards the end, we changed the putting order mm-hmm. and put me earlier because I was not a very good putter. Sure. <laughs> and it immediately paid off. Yeah. So the first time we changed it, yeah. uh, Father McCullough, we switched. Uh-huh. I was hitting third, he was hitting second, and then I hit second, he hit third, and then he sunk one of those 15 yeah. foot birdie putts. Because you got, gave him a good read. I, yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah. He can watch, give him a good read, and then he can go up and sink it. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fun. Good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, Good. not too much shenanigans happening on the course, which is well, really my fault because I wasn't originally signed up to play, <laughs> yeah. but I took Father Ethan Moore's spot, oh, and he sure. is normally bringing shenanigans sure. to the Melchizedek Open. So I showed up, and Father Eric Wood says, well, you know you're in charge of this stuff right now. Like, <laughs> you're supposed to lead this. Like, oh, shnikes. That's why they called you. That Well, and I, I was underprepared. I was, yeah. Yeah. So, Shoot. Those are big shoes to fill. They they were. Father they Ethan Moore. Get filled. <laughs> That's fun. Well, that's good good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So today is the day we're recording this anyway. Big Feast of St. James. Mm -hmm. That's a big day. Yeah. Let's go on a pilgrimage, you know? Sure. He's a patron of pilgrims. Yeah. Patron saint. Yeah. Have you ever gone on his. uh, his, Not done the Camino. Yeah. 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 So he's buried, St. James is buried in Northwest Spain. Mm -hmm. And it is one of the most popular pilgrimage sites to walk to his, uh, to Santiago de Compostela, Mm -hmm. the the church where he's buried Mm -hmm. from, but it's not just like walk, like across the town. It's (laughs) normally like a seven day walk bare minimum to officially complete the pilgrimage. Um, some other people, you know, some people do like 35 days, stuff like that. You can walk from Paris, which is like a three month sort of thing. If you're kind of hoofing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, Father Chris Geiger, who we just uh, played with, yeah. he actually went yeah. um, with a couple of his sisters. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he was actually the only one of their group. They just did like the shortest mm-hmm. to officially do it, which was like seven days of mm-hmm. walking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he was the only one out of the four or five that actually mm-hmm. completed it. Others mm-hmm. had to like stop and they'll come back and pick him up in a couple of days or something like that. Yeah. So. 
Seriously, I mm-hmm. I don't I I couldn't do it. You know, I always had dreams of doing it. Sure. Um, but then when we were in Europe earlier this summer and we were walking, like mm-hmm. not a ton, but a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was just like sore after like three <laughs> days. It was like, I don't think I'm gonna do the Camino. It's <laughs> kind of like dawned on me. You'd have to train for it. You would. You would. You'd have and to I train would not, and prepare. Right. And like probably buy hiking shoes or something. Um, last time somebody asked me to go on a hike with them, and I showed up in flip flops. I'm like. Is this not what people hike in? I don't have any hiking shoes. You should get some Chacos. Chacos? You can hike in Chacos. Yeah? Is that I what mean, like, Father Geiger wore? No. <laughs> I don't I don't know what he wore, but that's what I wore every day in Europe yeah. is Chacos. Yeah. And they did well. I mean, they came back. Right. Still still rocking still, and rolling. The yeah. treads are a little a little, a little <laughs> worn down, right? waiting for this to happen. Yeah. Sure. Three years of wear and tear. Yeah. Well, yeah. But here's a shout out to mm-hmm. the extraordinarily benevolent Father Jedediah Tridel. Mm-hmm. So when he was leaving to go to the Carmelite monastery, he was just giving away so many things. And mm-hmm. he gave me a very generous Chaco gift card. So whenever these wear out, nice. I've got some that are have been ordered or sitting in my closet ready to go. So, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I know Jesus said, don't take a second pair of sandals. Sure. Um, but I, I have them. Sure. Okay. I figured I'm going to get them anyways might as well just keep them and sure get them ready before to go. the gift card expires or or i lose it or they go out of business or the price increases so True. i was like might as well just get them sure sure you don't think your foot's going to change size or anything it hasn't for some time you know <laughs> roughly 15 years sure you're probably solid there yeah mine grew a little bit after i was pregnant like my foot like grew a little bit, but sure. I don't foresee that being a problem for you. Gosh, I hope issue. not. That would <laughs> cause so many questions. So anyway, yeah, but shoot, but that, that, that is a real thing for me. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see my feet when I was pregnant? Mm-hmm. Oh, they were bad. Mm-hmm. Did you see him grace? Oh, I'll have to show you a picture. You pointed them out they multiple were, times when you're bad. pregnant. Bad. Yeah. Like, Bad, terrible, swollen. Anyway, it happens. Matter. The it happens. things women go through to give life yeah. is um, right. Makes the rest of us grateful. Right, right. No one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for mm-hmm. one's friends, and you lay it down to allow one's feet to be swollen for <laughs> you, one's children. You lay it down in more ways than yeah. One. <clears throat> and swollen feet's really just the start of motherhood, right? Like it, it. Really it uh, it's not like it's sunshine and rainbows it's after not. that. Um, I had a good friend lamenting with me. She's got young boys at the moment who are probably mm, 10-ish or so and under. Um, and just already, you know, just being a mom and parenting and trying to figure all things out. And I said, well, don't worry too much because I hear it gets easier when they're teenagers. <laughs> she looked at me like, that's a joke. Yeah, it is absolutely it is a, joke. a joke. But that's we're going to get through says. it together. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get through it together. So anyway, anyway. Well, today, are you ready to move on? I think to the, we should. Yeah, I think to we pray should. and move on. We'll We've got a lot to talk about today. So, yeah, let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for your abundant mercy and guidance, for the way in which you guide our lives. We ask that we may always surrender to your plan, that we may, um, that we may de- decrease and you may increase. And we entrust this time into your hands. We pray for all of those who are listening, all of those amongst our family and friends. We ask for the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Pope St. John Paul II, and Pope Benedict XVI. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We are talking about divine providence Mm -hmm. today. Paragraphs 302 to 314, divine 
Providence. So much to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, This has a couple, like three different sections, a basic definition of of what this is, what this looks like. And then Providence and secondary causes, how how we play into divine Providence. And then Providence and the scandal of evil, which probably could have been an episode all on its own. Probably. But we will do what we can do to relay this beautiful message to all of you. Right. And just talk about it. It's like, Mm -hmm. there's no, uh, there's no (laughs) solutions to the problems in there. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's not giving math equations like because there's evil, this is the answer to it. Mm -hmm. Like, well, no. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There are there, this, this just opening paragraph and I don't Mm -hmm. know why it struck me the way that it did, but 302, like it almost reads like, so like poetry, like it's so beautiful. Like Mm -hmm. just, just how, just how the church looks at divine providence and how Holy Mother Church defines it. Creation has its own goodness and proper perfection, but it did not spring forth complete from the hands of the creator. The universe was created in a state of journeying. Help me out there, Father. In statu vie. Toward an ultimate perfection yet to be attained, to which God has destined it. We call divine providence the dispositions by which God guides his creation toward this perfection. I'm not sure why that struck me as but like mm. that's such a beautiful reality. And of course we know that to be true. That that yeah. we're not in like God didn't it doesn't come to this place of perfection. Sure. In this immediate creation. Like mm-hmm. it's this always in this state of journeying towards it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it brings up like this fundamental attitude as to how how we relate with ourselves, with God, with creation. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, one time uh, a friend of mine was telling me that he went, we would go as seminarians to these different Catholic high schools and talk about vocations and all of this. And he's relaying the story and kind of how this happened in his own life and all of that, how mm-hmm. God kind of led him to this, to this point. And the teacher got in a little bit of a disagreement with him. And he was saying, like, the Lord has a plan for your life, and part of our our role is to just figure that out, surrender, ask him to unveil it. And the teacher was saying, no, that's not how it works. You ask God to bless the plans that you want to do for your life. And it was a very different, mm. a very different approach. Does God have a plan that He's mm. providentially guiding, or does He simply bless us with what we want to do? And mm. that's not just like a that's not just like a theoretical problem. That is something that we struggle with in our own our own lives day to day. Like, are we just asking? Are we in in our prayer? Are we saying Thy will be done or My will be done? Just help it happen. Mm. And um, and so that's part of what this this whole section is is laying out is God is pro. Pro, he has, he providentially guides our lives if we let him. Right, mm-hmm. like he has a plan. He will guide things, and part of our role is to respond, to listen, and to be receptive mm-hmm. to his plan. So, mm-hmm. so we're on this. He's got. We're on a state of journeying, right? So, mm-hmm. like that first one says, it do, everything just doesn't pop out ready to go. And maybe the motherhood analogy, right? <laughs> you don't give birth to a fifty-year-old adult, right. right? You give birth to a child who's. Mm-hmm on the path, right? Mm-hmm. Who will, it's a definitive moment of their path when they're mm-hmm. born. Mm-hmm. Um, and even of course, conception is the beginning of such, such a path. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I just thought of a really, a really funny story from yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is really a sidebar, but I feel like because I'm laughing about it, I have to yeah, tell Yeah, well, absolutely you do. So I, there was one priest who was sitting at the table and we were talking about, are you older than this guy or that guy? He goes, it's a debated question. <laughs> How is it a debated question? Right. He said, well, here's the thing. He said, we were, we're about three weeks apart. Uh-huh. He said, I'm younger by three weeks. 
However, he was born a month before his due date, mm. which means I was probably conceived first. Mm. Are we Catholic or aren't we? I think I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Like, how do you argue with that? Right. It's just so ridiculous. Right. right. But very funny. Right. right? Like, because who really is older? Right. The one who's conceived first or the one who's born first? Right. Right. <laughs> That, that really just, that a whole new level of thinking there. Right. Ridiculous, but I love right. it. I do love it. That's funny. That's good so. stuff. Um, but we're on a state of journey. And that's state that's of journey, the point right? of the story. Okay. Towards this ultimate perfection yet to be attained. Okay. So pr- providence mm-hmm. is the way that the Lord guides creation to perfection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, the witness, I'm sorry, I'm wondering about this call out quote by his providence god protects and governs all things which he has made reaching mightily from one end of the earth to the other and ordering all things well for all are open and laid bare to his eyes even those things which are yet to come into existence through the free action of creatures okay so part of that that quote is from Mm -hmm. the first vatican council which was in the 1800s and it's responding to this idea in the 1800s that had that um this yeah, kind of thought that God was basically like a clockmaker, mm. that God creates the clock, sets it in motion, and then the clock runs itself, right? Mm. Like, so you think about like somebody who who constructed, you know, like a, a, a grandfather clock, right? Mm. Stuff with kind of instruments and all of that, where it's created and then he just kind of lets it go. So there's then a, um, there's a separation, right? Then he's no longer involved. And the church would say, no, that's not the case. He's mm. Scripture is uh, very firm on the fact that God is, constantly involved in Mm -hmm. history Mm -hmm. in his creation so Mm -hmm. yeah so it's a little response to the clockmaker okay or the watchmaker so the next couple paragraphs then in this opening section 303 304 305 we're going to get some more of this the witness of scripture is unanimous that the solicitude of divine providence is concrete and immediate god cares for all the sacred uh, books affirm God's absolute sovereignty over the course of events. Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. That's quoting a psalm there. Yeah, Psalm 115. For nothing is impossible for God also. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, as the book of Proverbs states, many are the plans of the mind of the man, it, it, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will be established. Okay. Um, the Holy Spirit often attributing actions to God without mentioning any secondary causes. Okay, 304. Sorry, I had a big uh, Riddler mystery mark there. That's what mm-hmm. my son calls a question mark. Oh, <laughs> Riddler <laughs> mystery mark. Right. Um, a question mark there. So help us help us with that. Let me read 304. You help us dissect this a little bit. And so we see the Holy Spirit, the principal author of sacred scripture, often attributing actions to God without mentioning any secondary causes. This is not a primitive mode of speech, but a profound way of recalling God's primacy and absolute lordship over history in the world, and so of educating his people to trust in him. The prayer of the Psalms is a great school of this trust. So in throughout the scriptures, we see God acting, right? Mm-hmm. Like God directly acting in calling Abraham of, you know, sending manna from heaven and so there have been some historians who say, well, this is just a primitive, like they didn't understand actually how, um, how, what, what would you call it? How like 
um, science worked, right? Mm-hmm. And so the quail that maybe fell in in the desert was actually just a dead flock that all of a sudden was stricken with sickness. And so what they thought it was that was that was how God was answering them, but actually it was just all natural explanations. Gotcha. And so the response of the the catechism is like, no, it actually shows God's providence, even if there is some sort of like natural thing that that happened. Um, that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, uh, a swell that wiped up the Red Sea, you know, some sort of storm that pulled the water back, you know, like sometimes if a storm, if a tidal wave comes, the, the waves recede. So even if there was some sort of natural explanation to every miracle in the situation, um, it's not just that people are primitive, that they didn't understand science, so therefore they have to think, well, that must have been God. Mm. Um, but it actually shows this lordship of God, that he actually cares for his people, that he protects them in all of the ways that that's happened over history. So I don't know, is that... Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Without that context, I was missing that, That yeah. I And that, I you do that so beautifully, by the way. Like when, when the... And I think we miss that if we're if we're not formed in the history of the church as we're just reading the catechism, because it takes that basic knowledge of like, okay, the, this council was whatever, and it was refuting mm-hmm. this idea that had mm-hmm. arisen. And so now when you look at what the catechism is saying, that makes sense. So anyway, thank yeah. you for filling us in there. Well, the catechism is what you would call like positive, right? It's saying this is what we believe. Mm-hmm. It's not really saying this is what we don't believe. Sure. Because if it got that far, yeah. right, it would, it would be a, volumes, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're curious on what we don't believe, there's a compilation that a man by the name of Denzinger began mm-hmm. in I think the 1800s. It's like in the 18th edition now, but it contains all the councils, the creeds, the de- definitive doctrines of the church throughout history. Um, and in they're all there. So you can say like, and it'll say, and this belief is anathema, right? So if you're really interested, you could get a copy of Denzinger. Um, it's going to be a hefty one. It's mm. kind of fun to navigate, but it takes a little bit because everything's written in English on one side in the original language, sometimes in Greek, sometimes in Latin. So, mm. um, but it, it's got the English translation there. But um, yeah, so but but that's not what the catechism is. The catechism is what we would call positive, right? It's saying this is what we believe, mm-hmm. not this is what we don't believe. Sure. So, um, well, sure. thanks for the compliment. Yeah, though. yeah. yeah. 305, Jesus asks for childlike abandonment to the providence of our Heavenly Father who takes care of his children's smallest needs. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. That's quoting Matthew 6. But I read that because I think we're going to keep coming back to this. What like divine providence, as providence is is um, playing out, as our lives are unfolding before us, what, what actually is going on in mm-hmm. the depths of our souls in creation? What is God doing? Um, and we can look to Jesus as this example. Jesus is asking for childlike abandonment. We see him coming to do the Father's will, right? Even in these moments of trial and suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, as followers of Christ, we're asked to do the same. Right. Mm-hmm. And you see this like unfolding of the idea of trust in the, in the scriptures, because you even think like the book of Judges, where the Lord is fighting for his people, right? And you trust him almost like you would trust a military general mm-hmm. who's got all the plans who will win a victory, which which is part of what the Lord seems to be doing. Mm-hmm. But then um, that idea is even like clarified and even fulfilled in as Christ 
offers or invites us to this childlike trust. Mm. Of course, there's still glimpses of that in the in the Old Testament about he's the God is the Father, we are his uh, we are his children. But it seems like more of an emphasis on God is the um, God is the Lord, right? He's mm-hmm. the strong one who will protect and guide us mm-hmm. people, which he will, right? He's the good mm-hmm. shepherd who's gonna, you know go crazy on a wolf if it comes into his flock. Mm-hmm. But he but then in the in the New Testament, in the revelation of Jesus Christ, there's this identity as children that mm-hmm. really comes to the forefront, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. right. Okay. So now we get into a couple paragraphs about providence and secondary causes. God is the sovereign master of his plan, but to carry it out, he also makes use of his creature's cooperation. This use is not a sign of weakness, but rather a token of almighty God's greatness and goodness. For God grants his creatures not only their existence, but also the dignity of acting on their own, of being causes and principles for each other, and thus of cooperating in the accomplishment of his plan. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. So this idea of like secondary causality, mm-hmm. you know, behind us we have this beautiful board that uh, Leah Koenig mm-hmm. created, and you say like, okay, who created that? Well, Leah created that, mm-hmm. but Leah used an instrument, right? She used maybe some markers, some paint, some some uh, some pens, and so mm-hmm. the pen would then be the secondary cause, right? She's the one who's primarily doing this, mm-hmm. but she's using the she's using the secondary cause, these pen, these instruments to bring about our our board. Mm-hmm. So the same the analogy of of course, they always fall apart in some some way, shape, or form. But in some ways, we are like the instrument in the Lord's hands. So mm-hmm. we're the we're not the primary author of anything that's really happening. But the Lord uses us, and it's mm-hmm. important, you know, which kind of pen you're using and which kind of you know ink and all of that. So mm-hmm. of course, a pen doesn't have any autonomy whatsoever in the, in our hands, but a uh, <coughs> but we of course do. So mm-hmm. so it's just like in kind of the analogy that is building upon this secondary causality mm-hmm. that uh, we have a role to cooperate and an ability to cooperate in the Lord's hands. Mm-hmm. And that's a token of, of the, the dignity that we have yeah. as, as the, the children of God, as God's sons and daughters. I, I just, I love that, right? We participate in mm-hmm. his work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not because he needs us, right? Because he can't do it on mm-hmm. his own, but because he wants us, right? And loves us and creates us in love and by love and for love and so wants us to have this, this role in his creative action. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we're made in his image and likeness, mm-hmm. right? So if he has creativity, if he is... Um, he is free to act and love and serve mm-hmm. so that we're made in his image and likeness, we can do the same. Mm-hmm. And so part of him, surren- not surrendering, but entrusting us with part of his divine plan mm-hmm. is to, to show us that we are made in his mm-hmm. image and likeness. Mm-hmm. Mm. How good is he? Oh, so good. Uh, to human beings... <laughs> Sometimes we're unconscious of it. That's why I underlined in the next one. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you're... What did you? Oh, well, that oh, we're the, unconscious of it. Yeah, yeah we're yeah, unconscious yeah. collaborators yeah, of right. his, in his plan. Yeah, so 307, to human beings, God even gives the power of freely sharing in his providence by entrusting them with the responsibility of subduing the earth and having dominion over it. God thus enables men to be intelligent and free causes in order to complete the work of creation, to perfect its harmony for their own good and that of their neighbors. Though often unconscious collaborators with God's will, they can also enter deliberately into the divine plan by their actions, their prayers, and their sufferings. They then fully become God's fellow workers and co-workers for his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God enables man to be intelligent and free. And then, yes, um, we were sometimes often unconscious collaborators of of that reality. Often. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes you say something and it just strikes somebody in the right mm-hmm. way. And it's like, oh. That's God's plan. That's it for my life. And you're like, 
Remember you said that four years ago? <laughs> right. Yeah, no. Right. No. Um, but that's part of this un- unconscious, mm-hmm. unconscious way. That, but, often, but then we can also be conscious, right, and mm-hmm. active and seeking the will of God and trying to discern what he's asking of us in our lives. Mm-hmm. And then we're very conscious. And even mm-hmm. when we're given suffering and we willfully embrace it, mm-hmm. not complain, offer it up to him and mm-hmm. prayerfully um, surrender, well, mm-hmm. then we're participating in his plan. Mm-hmm. And I think the more that we um, do actively engage in that and, and grow in our life of prayer and our life of study and understand what the truth is and live our lives according to that truth as best as we are able, reconcile ourselves with the Lord frequently, like the more that we do enter into it consciously, the mm-hmm. more that the Lord uh, like uses us in these ways that are unbeknownst to us. Yeah, we're like, like these little moments where you're like, well, I didn't really actually know right. what I was saying there or what right. I was doing, but I'm glad that the Lord used that, right, right. To, to stir you or whatever it might be. Yeah, the so. number of things my parents have said that get stored up there that for them is probably one of a million things they mm-hmm. said. And maybe mm-hmm. some of not even the most important they thought, mm-hmm. but it actually oh, yeah. like, well, that one's, that one's, that right. one's deep in there. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think too, doesn't that, doesn't that humble you as his instrument? Because I think sometimes we can stress ourselves out about mm-hmm. trying to have the perfect response or trying to be the perfect instrument in his hands. And, you know, we want to glorify him. We desire to do these things for him. Um, and we can really get anxious, overly anxious about how he's using us or what we say or what we don't say. Mm -hmm. Like those moments where, you know, other people have struck you in a very profound way and they weren't like really intending to just, I think humbles you to go, okay, well, God can use me in that same way, (laughs) even in the imperfections. And we'll get to that here in a second. Um, The truth that God is at work in all the actions of his creatures is inseparable from faith in God and the creator. God is the first cause who operates in and through secondary causes. Um, for God is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Far from diminishing the creature's dignity, this, this truth enhances it. Drawn from nothingness by God's power, wisdom, and goodness, and can do nothing if it is cut off from its origin. For without a creator, the creature vanishes. Still less can a creature attain its ultimate end without the help of God's grace. Okay, so that was providence and secondary causes, mm-hmm. how we fit into that. Sure. Now, providence and the scandal Mm. of evil is how we're going to wrap this thing up with 309 through 314. Mm -hmm. So basically, if God guides history, right? God guides our lives, how does evil happen if he's in charge? Mm -hmm. A fair question that all of us in some ways have to wrestle with in our entire lives. Absolutely. Yeah, there's two two questions, um, 309, 310. 309 is, if God the Father Almighty, the creator of the ordered and good world, cares for all his creatures... Why does evil exist? And then we get another question. But why did God create a world so perfect that no evil could exist in it? Why why did God not create a world so perfect that no evil could exist in it? Okay, so first, first question. Um, to this question, as pressing as it is unavoidable and as painful as it is mysterious, no quick answer will suffice, right? We all know that, too. Yep, yep. That's, that is the question of faith. Mm-hmm. And there is no cheap, tried answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only the cross. Only Christian faith as a whole constitutes the answer to this question. The goodness of creation, the drama of sin, the patient love of God who comes to meet man by his covenants, the redemptive incarnation of his son, his gift of the spirit, his gathering of the church, the power of the sacraments, and his call to a blessed life to which free creatures are invited to consent in advance but from which, by a terrible mystery, they can also turn away in advance. There is not a single aspect of the Christian message that is not, in part, an answer to the question of evil. 
That was mind blowing for me. Like you think, okay, there's aspects of this answer to the question, but actually the entire faith of the church and our entire practice and our entire history is a response to the question of evil. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. You know, even think about like the sacraments. Well, what does baptism have to do with this question of evil? Well, that's how God rescues us. It's how we're drawn into divine life and how the darkness is removed from, from the life. And so all of, all of it is, the, mm-hmm. is part of the re- response to the answer of evil. And so that means that question of evil, how does evil exist in the world, is all-encompassing for our entire lives. Is this God's providence in the existence of evil? Right? It's not just one part and one question that we just kind of bring to faith, and it's like, well, if, if, you know, if the priest or deacon or catechist doesn't have anything to say about that, then, well, I'm going to throw the whole thing out. But it's actually the fundamental question of life. How is this good or evil? Is good stronger than evil? Is evil stronger than good? Are they in some sort of balance? Or is goodness allowed evil to happen for a certain time so that we may be rescued? Mm-hmm. And that's the Christian crux of it. And that mm-hmm. that's wild. Like that's the that's the fundamental question. Mm-hmm. Go back and go back always to the fall, right? And what led man and woman astray in this doubting of God's goodness and what it truly means to trust in God and and this abandonment, like we talked about. Jesus asks for childlike abandonment. I said Mm -hmm. we kind of probably keep circling back to that. Keep going back to that of like, what actually is God wanting out of us, his creatures, that he made in love, by love, and for love? He wants love in return. At the end Mm -hmm. of the day, God is a lover, and all lovers want to be loved, right? And he doesn't want robotic love that just plugs in and just do X, Y, Z, and that. You gave me five graces, and I will return five for you. Exactly. But this love of like this that's willed by us. Mm -hmm. And what greater love is there than to choose him, even in the face of evil, to say, I'm not going to doubt your goodness. I don't understand Mm -hmm. it. That's an honest thing to say. I don't understand why why evil exists. I don't understand why that bad thing had to happen or why I'm still struggling with all of this, but I'm not going to let it I'm not going to doubt your goodness because of it, right? right? And so I'm going to throw your arms even more into this mm-hmm. abandonment of being your child and trusting right. in you. So, um, But that even gets to the question of the, the next paragraph, mm-hmm. right? Three, 310, well, why didn't God just create a world in which there would it would be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Why didn't he create a world where evil would not exist? Mm-hmm. Well, for the love to exist, there has to be freedom, right? You think about, um, you think about like, if you or your husband were forced into that marriage, there would be no love, right? Mm-hmm. If it's like, well, this is what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Well, the free choosing and giving, the freedom would be completely lacking. And so love couldn't really exist because it would be it would be forced. Mm-hmm. And so that's um, so there wouldn't actually be love. That's why God didn't create things in this way. And we're in a state of journeying, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would be the point of a world if it's all just perfection in and of itself, right? Um Again, go back to like to us coming to the point where we recognize that we are not the primary mover, right. that we are the secondary cause. Mm-hmm. And a part of that is we have to know we're not in control, that the world doesn't depend upon us, that we can't just do whatever we want to do and create whatever we want to create, right? Like we have to know, constantly be reminded, because we are so prideful, that we're dependent upon him mm-hmm. um, and and that yeah, just that, that we're dependent upon him, that we can't do this on our own and create on our own and whatever without him. Um, and yeah, this process of becoming, this process of becoming, this state of journeying involves all of this, right? With physical good, there exists also physical evil as long as creation has not reached perfection. That's the reality mm-hmm. of the world 
we live in. Right. And then even it talks about in the next paragraph about moral evil. So mm. that's when free beings, whether it's angels or human beings, choose evil. It says that is far worse than physical evil. Mm-hmm. Um, you even think about that, that old phrase, like sticks and stones can break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. Mm-hmm. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my <laughs> life, right? Like right. physical evil, whether that is a catastrophe or anything like that, is so much less intense seemingly. It's not saying it's not bad, right? People who go mm-hmm. through hurricanes and tornadoes and all of that, very serious, not mm-hmm. good. But moral evil that we experience, betrayal that we experience, harm from another human being like that, that'll that'll suck the life right out of us and mm-hmm. send us into some serious despair. Mm-hmm. But God allows, um, he permits moral evil, however, because he respects the freedom of his creatures and mis dearestly knows how to derive good from it. Mm -hmm. So he permits freedom. And then as we're going to kind of get in these last paragraphs about how he can bring good out of even evil. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, In time, we can discover that God in his almighty providence can bring a good from the consequences of an evil, even a moral evil caused by his creatures. Um, and then we get, of course, the reminder of the story of Joseph, right? Oh, it's yeah. just, just a great little like insertion. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was not you, said Joseph to his brothers who sent me here, but God. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, and you got to know the story. Joseph's yeah. brothers wanted to murder him mm-hmm. because they were jealous of the affection his father showed to him. So they wanted to murder him. Mm-hmm. Like, that's too much. Here's a deep pit. Let's throw him in the deep pit. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, he's just going to starve to death. Let's sell him into slavery. Okay, yeah, that's that's the right one. So they sell him into slavery. Mm-hmm. He goes and then rises through the ranks, and he's able to provide for his family once they go through a famine because mm-hmm. he's now in Egypt. So mm-hmm. he he sees the Lord at work and all that. And like, mm-hmm. what a mature look at mm-hmm. God's providence of like even though evil happened to him, he mm-hmm. God used it to bring about good to bless his family. Mm-hmm. Right. I hope I can see things like that when bad <laughs> things happen to me. For the greater, for the from the greatest moral evil ever committed, the rejection and murder of God's only Son, caused by the sins of all men, God by His grace that abounded all the more brought the greatest of goods, the glorification of Christ and our redemption. But for all of that evil never becomes a good. So yes, God can, he does permit the evil, right? Allows it, can always bring greater good, but it doesn't ever mean that that evil was a good or becomes a good in and of itself. Right. Right. So we don't justify evil things to say like, well, God can bring a greater good out of that. Like I'm going to punch you in the face because God can heal it and you can grow in forgiveness and mercy. Right. Nope. Right. Right. Don't use it to justify your actions. Right. 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 We know that in everything, God works for good for those who love him. That is quoting Romans 8.28. And then, of course, we have the constant witnesses of the saints that confirm this truth. We can look to the saints for their, their example of all of this. Those that you know have fallen and fallen so hard, committed grave evils, moral mm-hmm. evils, lived lives of sin, and had these radical transformations and, and have proved by, by the way they were transformed that God can and does work all things for good for mm-hmm. those who love him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even uses the the terrible things in life mm-hmm. for to bring about a greater good, and mm-hmm. that shows his power. Mm-hmm. I like if you can even take evil and turn it into something beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, that that shows the Lord's sovereignty right there. Mm-hmm. Amen. 
Yep. Side quote, one of these things in 313 that was uh, that was mentioned is from, it says, Dame Julian of Norwich. Mm-hmm. Since the publication of the Catechism, she's been canonized. Hey. Shout out to St. Julian of Norwich. Nice. Yep. Yes. Uh, she's quoted in here saying, Here I was taught by the grace of God that I should steadfastly keep me in faith, and that at the same time I should take my stand on and earnestly believe in what our Lord shewed in this time, that all manner of things shall be well. All shall be well. All shall be well. Okay. So wrapping this up then, we firmly believe that God is master of the world and of its history, but the ways of his providence are often unknown to us. Only at the end, when our partial knowledge ceases, when we see God face to face, will we fully know the ways by which, even through the dramas of evil and sin, God has guided his creation to that definitive Sabbath rest for which he created heaven and earth. So it's kind of like our lives here are um, based on faith (laughs) and not knowing, right? Mm -hmm. We can wrestle with these questions and we can wonder about these things. um, But at the end of the day, um, God wants faithful creatures, right? Faith, faith, hope, and love remain. The greatest of these is love. Of course, love is in the eternal life, in the beatitude as well. But here... We do walk in a darkness of, mm-hmm. of faith, and that's that's what it's meant to. It's meant to draw us into greater faith with Him. Right. That God is who God is. We are not. Right. right. Mm-hmm. But He gives little lights here and there, right? Mm-hmm. Like He kind of shows us the path, and we can kind of see, like, oh, this is how God is working good out of evil, mm-hmm. or, or, um, and all of those things. But you're right. It right now we only have partial knowledge. We only see as in a veil, and it's not until the end of time where things will be. We will more fully know. I don't know if you noticed some of the language in there is real, real careful. Mm. So only at the end, when our partial knowledge ceases, when we will see God face to face, will we fully know the ways by which, even though, okay, that's not as careful as I thought. I thought like there's a question, open kind of question, like, will we know everything completely or will we know more fully, right? Like, Mm. will we ever be able to know everything completely? Mm. I don't know. Mm. But I guess maybe the catechism seems to say we will fully know. Mm. So... Mm. You know, learn something of, new every day. Part of part of this too is like like we can't. We're an incredible, we're incredibly intelligent creatures made in His image mm-hmm. and likeness, but we can't like know everything that God knows all at once. Like we don't have that capacity, and so part of growing in this faith and struggling with these things is growing in our capacity to understand Him, to to receive more and more of Him. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's part of too this turning in the darkness and abandoning ourselves to this childlike trust in His providence and His providential care. Right, kind of. Grows us in faith and helps us to receive more of Him yeah. in the life that is to come. But any hoosies, any hoosies, divine providence. There we go. There it is. Yep. Any questions? Uh, just go ahead and ask Father Sean. <laughs> um, in one one paragraph. Christ invites us to filial trust in the providence of our heavenly Father, and Saint Peter the Apostle repeats: Cast all your anxieties on Him, for He cares about you. That was three twenty-two. That's a pleasant thought. That is a pleasant thought. Well, where you, where you, where you, where you want to go? <laughs> I, you're eyeballing it. Whatever looks good to you. It's just not a whole lot, you know. No, we're, we're, we're knocking things off the list. That's amazing. Little by little, I see a couple that are together. Is that the Ten Commandments in general? I think the tenth. The, the tenth, tenth commandment. The tenth Ooh. commandment. Twenty-five thirty-four to twenty-five five zero. The Tenth Commandment. All right. Let's do it. Let's 
do it. All right. We'll end with Matthew chapter 6, which was, of course, quoted in here, um, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin. But I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O you of little faith? So do not worry and say, what are we to eat, or what are we to drink, or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil.